We like to imagine that our strength will protect us, but history is a wildfire. It consumes the weak and strong alike until there's nothing left to burn. The living are but the burn ward of history, and none of us ever fully recover. Superman Space Age, written by Mark Russell, art by Michael Allred. In the beginning, there was nothing. Then there were comic books. Once you enter our world, there is no escape. Comic exposure begins in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the Comic Exposure Podcast. My name is Josh. And with the with me is my Kryptonian super friend, the one, the only. I saved Earth from an asteroid. Travis Rats here. The line <laughs> of the, the book. Podcast. <laughs> Welcome to the Comic Exposure Podcast, where Travis and I dive dive deep into graphic novels or trades, or we talk about what's going on in the world of nerddom. It's an excuse for Travis and I to get together every other week and talk together and hang out. The episode we are still. Still in our Superman summer, our summer of Superman. Our, I think it's Superman summer. I don't remember what we call it. it. Was Superman 1969, summer. the summer of Superman. The summer Josh of Superman. Josh had gotten his first set of wheels and he was driving across <laughs> country. <laughs> so we're in the summer of Superman. And uh, today we are diving into the graphic novel Superman Space Age, written by Mark Russell, with art uh, by Mike Allred and color by Laura Allred, letters by Dave Sharp, uh, and then a whole bunch of covers. By Laura and Mike Allred, the the husband and wife team, Mike and Laura Allred, uh, doing the doing the artwork on this one. Travis, did you read this been... digital or did you uh, read this in print? Oh man, I I have it in I have it in you print, it in my print. friend, because it was the same price or a little cheaper in print, I think. And I was like, you know what, I really like Mike Allred's art, so I wanted to. So you got to get... see all the alternate covers and stuff. Uh, I think there, yeah, there's a whole bunch of alternate covers yeah. in the back. Yeah. I don't know if there is many. They're probably not as many as the digital one. There weren't too many um, in the digital one. Maybe like eight. Okay, then maybe, yeah. maybe. No, then I did not see that many. Okay. So, uh, but Superman Space Age. Um, Travis, we've been, we've been reading some Superman. We've gotten some super, some, we got that, we got the, uh, the hunger for Superman. We've been, we've been chomping down on Superman hoagies as we're, as we're going through our summer. Just like beach parties with uh superman you know salads and you know uh little little Su- sand super, in your salad. you know i think of uh, a summer superman treat i think of those um bomb pops you know, uh, those rocket yeah. pops the red white and blue yeah. ones yeah it was classic I summer think, superman treat i think superman ice cream which is a very sort of like midwest michigan thing you've mentioned uh, that before i think it's it been is, about six years since you mentioned it, superman ice cream it's quite possibly the best ice cream ever i don't know why is that it's sherbet? my childhood is that a sherbet no it's it's a straight up like ice cream it's like i want to say it's like a i can't explain the flavor but it's it's like red yellow and blue and it is magical um and it is my childhood and it, like, that is just, we had this ice cream place called Mooney's and we'd go to Mooney's and you get Superman ice cream. It's fantastic. I remember what, going up North. What are the different flavors of each of the colors? Like what's I, the yellow? They're all, it's all the same. It's all the same. Flavor. Oh, it's just the different, colors. but it's just okay. super, it's just Superman colored. And I don't know. I can't explain what the flavor is, except it's wonderful. I, I suppose I could look it up, but um, Superman ice cream is great. I call anyway. it, I call mint chocolate chip, uh, kryptonite ice cream. 
kryptonite ice cream yeah that's mm-hmm. green yeah uh or like lemon lime sherbet lime sherbet that's very kryptonite you know what actually i said sherbet a minute ago and the moment I said it, I'm like, I haven't had a good sherbet in a while. I got a, I kind of <laughs> got a sherbet. I would love to, you know what, Josh? I'd love to be podcasting with you right now with a big bowl of sherbet in front of me. There's some sherbet <laughs> munching down on some sherbet. Uh, so this this book, the conceit of this book, if if we can, is like if Superman were going through history and one fell swoop, kind of, right? Yeah, it's kind of a a, a long origin Elseworld story that follows through three decades of Superman during the Space Age arms race. Cold War, yeah. right? All of that taking place. So really plopping Superman down in uh, historical points, right? Yeah. And saying, what would happen if we had Superman during this thing. And look, uh, big fan of uh, the writer, big fan of Mark. We're Russell. big, big Mark um, Russell fans in the show. We've done Flintstones. Yeah. We've done Prez. Yeah. We've done some Mark Russell books. I think he's, and I, and we did Conan. Didn't Mark Russell do no uh, red no, Sonia. That was, wasn't that Mark? Right. That was Mark Russell too. Yeah. That was just yeah, recently Mark, this year. Yeah. Two so Mark Russells did, in one year. <laughs> so we did, we did Mark Russell. We've read Mark Russell before. Uh, and, this, I mean, let, let, let's get into the, the idea of it. I it didn't feel, feel as Mark, like Mark Russell. As I, it felt more Mark Russell than it did not feel as Mar, as Mark Russell as I thought it would. No, um, I expected a little more satire, a little more like zing of like, ooh, if Superman, what would it be like? I, I wanted instead, a little more hustle in his Russell, you know, a little more hustle in my Russell. But it was like I thought it was a a. Let's just dive into this idea of Superman. Well, uh, so one of the things I think we're talking yeah. about the Mark Russell thing is Mark Russell tends to be irreverent and satire uh, yeah. and like tongue in cheek, um, but with like moments of like real heart in his in his stories. In Prez, yeah. in Flintstones, in Red Sonja, we saw all of that. Like there's this goofiness, but there's this strong satire. Uh, so we'll talk about how and if that plays out in here. Uh, yeah. You, you, I have, and I'm sorry, I interrupt you. You were about no. to ask. No, I, I think like it is the beginning of this story starts off that Superman can't save Earth. Right? Like right. that's the that's the conceit is we see it's 1985. We see Superman. We see um, like the Earth is about to be done. And so he goes down for those last moments and you see him, he's by the, the Kandar, the city in a bottle. He's walking through his, his fortress of solitude. He is with Lois Lane and you see their son and then it's the end. And then it flips to, you know, like 22 years later, 1963. Yeah. And, and so this is kind of, a, this, but this, this happens in like three books, right? This yeah. volume that we're reading here, Space Age. And I got to say, the first part I was quite excited about. You know what? What still gets me is I I love, and I loved it in the versions we read this summer, and then the stuff that we've read like on our own, and the stuff we watched on our own. I love a good Clark and Pa Kent And this was a good, this was a good, like, flashback to, we got to see uh, Pa Kent talk about being in World War II, right? Yeah. And tell a story about, you know, accidentally 
um, killing a child, right? And, and just kind of dealing with, you know, the island hopping in Japan and just about how, you know, this idea of pessimistic, pessimistic, yeah, can't pessimistic, pessimistic po- right. And you have to do this. I thought, so I think one of the conceits I think is really interesting is, is placing all of these people in, in real history. So the, the Lex Luthor, the arms race with Lex Luthor and uh, Bruce Wayne, like, so Lex Corps and, and Wayne tech, like battling over who's going to get the, you know, the contract. Neither of their ideas are good, by the way. No, no. <laughs> Neither of them, but are anybody's ideas good? Well, I mean, Bruce, one of them Bruce gives us, Wayne is such an asshole in this book. One of them gets us, uh, one of them gets us uh, Batman. So I suppose, like, that works, right? Like, like, an army of supermen in bat costumes is pretty, like, in weird costumes is pretty great. Um, but you're right. Like neither of their ideas are good. And Bruce Wayne is kind of shitty in here. Right. I mean, Bruce Wayne's always kind of like that, but like yeah. then we get the curtains pulled back with like relationships with other characters. So like, Oh, he's not a bad guy. Nope. Not in this book. <laughs> it's kind of a turd. Um, I like, I really enjoyed the concept of like, well, we have to, it's this weird thing. Like I think it's this hard thing to juggle because comics are such a goofy medium right there's like the concept of like the joker or brainiac in and of itself is goofy right like it and instead of when you see something like the dark knight returns i just listened to this auto uh, this audio book about like the history of batman right and they're talking about how you know you had the the goofy we had the tim burtoning of those first two movies like the tim burton-esque weird freaky movies with batman then you had schumacher lean in and kind of bring back the 66 sort of campy vibe and really do what he did and then then everybody was like oh nope 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 too far right um he was supposed to do a third movie schumacher was supposed to do a third movie tim burton was supposed to do a third movie that didn't happen then they do schumacher schumacher's supposed to do a third movie and they're like nah we're gonna pass on that and they bring nolan in and nolan's job is to like ground batman in reality right and somehow make the Batmobile seem like it could really happen somehow. And, and it, in the in the book, it's talking about how it gives you there's this scene where it is desperately trying to explain to you why the Batsuit exists and why it can exist. Right. So like uh, our, you know, this is for paragliding and you've got indestructible. You have the helmet for this and they're building it all out of out of this and really just sort of show you why this is possible. Right. And so even your villains like. Raja Ghoul is the perfect villain because he's just a man early on, right? It's not something weird. It grounds a story. Yeah, and it's like herbs and stuff like that. Yeah, and so it's really, I think it's really hard to ground a superhero story when the superhero is, is Superman because everything about Superman is sci-fi. Everything about Superman's sort of like gallery of people, even Lex, even Lex Luthor, if Lex Luthor is going to contend with Superman, there has to be something ultra sci-fi about it. Right. And so when you get Brainiac and you get like that automatically leans into the silliness of it. But at the same time, you've got the arms, the nuclear arms race going on and you have all of these scenes of reality 
meshed in with like a giant skeleton robot with a green skinned alien driving it. And it's a weird juxtaposition. I think, I think Mark, I wonder if that's Mark Russell's goal is to like, okay, just to kind of thread the needle of like how outlandish Superman mythos is, and then put it with American history. Mm -hmm. And it's weird to see them side by side. Well, it, and honestly, when we when you first told me the premise of this, I thought it was going to be more like the Spider-Man book where they where they tried this, mm. where I thought the of or I thought there was going to be more direct reference to events throughout the run of the the book, uh. and that those would have a greater impact on the character and plot of the story itself. And early on, you got to see that more. And then it seems as Russell kept writing, writing, writing by books two and three, like real concrete events became less important. Like we had the Freedom Riders and and the first yeah. book, and Lois, and the Lois Lane assassination, and, yeah. um, and those those kind of things. And um, and so I was like, okay, I see how that's uh, 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 affecting each of those events. Like it kind of gave it a push, right? It kind of yeah. gave. Oh, this is how Lois Lane made her mark because she was the closest to Dallas when the assassination happened. Yeah. And and like you said, the uh, this is how Batman got created because it was you know uh, a, a, a war contract on, on there, and we kind of that he didn't to, win, yeah. right? They didn't win the contract, and yeah. When Brainiac starts to show up, we start to then it becomes, as you mentioned, you said that 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 idea of the sci-fi character. So maybe you're right. Maybe it is like his attempt to to kind of make this science fiction, you know, 1930s, 40s science fiction story work in the landscape of American history and then with the hope that American history in grounding it is going to give us a new effect for a new fresh Superman story. Yeah, I think that's the that's the that's the part that's weird, right? Like we're dumping we're dumping all of these actual like um superheroes in the real world, right? So Batman comes about you know, he's trying to save Gotham and there's all of the, you know, Wayne Corporation is blowing up all of these things. And he wants like he knows that his own company's bad. And so he's trying to stop it. It's just it's. We get the Justice League really quickly. um, And we get sort of this this, you know, who's the Flash? Let's sim him. But this really ends up being a Batman Superman story. Then we throw in the Justice League, but it's a it's a a, a bizarre. I I think that's the thing that's the weirdest part is it leans really heavily into history, and then it steps away from that really quick. Yeah, right? which seems like, to be like I thought like his whole point of writing from this. So as I had to reconsider the purpose of this story as we drifted further and further away from the American events. Yeah, I think that was a hard part. And then it ends up being a multiverse story. Like everything's a multiverse story, right? Like the Superman building a statue to like he's himself. He's the only I thought that was a really interesting idea that he's left. Mm-hmm. I like I find that to be a really like challenging idea that Superman is the only person who's gonna survive at all. 
and he's and he has to go and find himself again and right but what's interesting too is that i thought at the end i thought for sure that the the earth that we're left with the the new rebuilt earth would have been okay now we're in the superman continuity that we know and like this is how we got here like that's that that this all the you know like the the current superman story is based on this very similar world but just with a few small differences because uh, yeah. I mean, Brainiac talks about that. Brainiac has this actually a pretty good speech about how there are many Earths, and oftentimes humans destroy them themselves. But sometimes it's a just a random event, like a a, a blip in ocean temperature that destroys right. it. Uh, and sometimes it's an outside alien source, like the one that that they're trying to stop destroys it so i thought at the end like the world we're left with is like and that's how we end up with the superman we know today but all the human beings were like wearing like white robes i'm like oh this is this isn't this isn't the world that we know this isn't like some parallel very close right earth it's a it's a different thing right um and i think that's the kind of like weird (laughs) like piece of it but also kind of I don't know. He leans into the weirdness of DC comics. And I think when we talk about, you know, you had read, you were reading part of that Grant Morrison. Yeah. Superman run. Right. And it's like what I mean, Grant Morrison sort of dives into the weirdness of the multiverse and multiple Superman and what it means to be a comic book character, all these things. And I feel like there's a little bit of, of that in this, right. This sort of exploration of one, well, let's just say Superman was on Earth. If Superman were on Earth, wouldn't it also kind of steer us away from the rest of history? Because wouldn't he be able to solve all of those problems? Yeah. Right? So I mean, I kind Superman, of... Superman literally gets to be around for one historical event before he changes history. Like, the, the first one is the Kennedy assassination. Right. After that, everything should be changed. but i think that's but you we kind of get that in this book right like after that piece when he starts being superman we move away from history having the problems of america right we get away from that and then the problems end up being brainiac and these big things that only suit like that would challenge it. So that's everything we, it's everything just, we, yeah. everything we know about history changes because, well, look, Superman can end the cold war, right? Uh, like that happens. And so the challenges become different than that. Right. That's and a, so that's the, a good point. The only thing that could bring earth to its doom at that point end up being right. All of this, out out of world stuff. Well, it's it's interesting that you say that because I'm trying to picture Mark Russell writing this story, and from what you just said there, which which makes sense of like, okay, well, if Superman's here, then our problems become less trivial and more cosmic. Glo- yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, and I wonder if Russell discovered this as he was writing. I wonder if you started off with this premise, like we were saying, of like, let's put yeah. Superman through the throes of history. And then really stumbled, or not stumbled, but like came as a storyteller being like, well, okay, here's a couple events, the Freedom Riders assassination. All right, but he's here now, so where do I go now? Like, what, what's the next conflict? And I right. wonder if he discovered, like as, like, as he's finishing book one and going into book two, like, 
you know what? I, I, I really can't do like the challenger exploding and I really can't do, you know, cause because he would have stopped that. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he would have heard something in the machinery. Cause of course, as Clark Kent, he would have been there like covering it with the Manson murders. Like I, he, he would have, have he would yeah. have heard the rattle of something in the spaceship and Superman would have taken it off and, and like saw, saved the challenge. Right. So I wonder if that's the conceit of this, that like if Superman were on our earth, it wouldn't be the same. We couldn't go the same direction. And so I think it's a really interesting sort of, it's an interesting exploration um, that I, that I like Mark Russell. I really enjoyed the book, but I, I don't know that it, if that's what I'm thinking, well, I get it. I don't know if he explored that in the sort of narration or in the documentation well, of it. You know what I mean? His meditation, which I think is good, because there are some good, the oh, yeah, good, yeah, good yeah. speeches. The, I think that's the strongest part of this book is the theoretical meditations on it. There seems to be this idea that even with, if Superman were real in our history, we would still find a way to destroy ourselves. <laughs> yes, yeah. And if it wasn't us destroying ourselves, it would be something else. So the sense of like waiting for that heroic God to come through and save us, we think, oh, wouldn't the world be greater with Superman in it? Yeah, we would stop the Challenger from exploding. Vietnam would probably be put to an end pretty shortly. And maybe there would be no really cold war, but there would be something else. It's almost like looking at humans as an organism yeah. opposed not not opposed superman but like in living with superman right right i, I bet you like, see that with the batman when when batman get, makes gotham safe and he's taken out he's got the in this story he figures out um um uh, face identic uh identification technology and he's like yeah. oh my job is too easy i become complacent so therefore the conflict evolves. It's almost like saying whatever your solution is, whether it be Superman or Batman, the world yeah. society is going to evolve a conflict or villain to adapt to it. Yeah. Well, that's what I think he gets the Joker, right? Like that's his villain. That's supposed to sort of, you know, amp up the challenge to it. Right. Who's, who's this new piece. And I think, that's a really interesting thing. I, I think the one thing that I that I kind of like am curious why it's in this story is other than letting Allred draw the hell out of all of these Justice League characters is the Justice League part of it. Yeah. Like it seems to the, the, the book seems too short to give that any uh, as soon as the Hal Jordan thing. I was like, oh, there's Hal Jordan. Right. Like I got I you could see it right away. Um but I wonder, like, it just felt like we got to find a way to let Allred draw all these guys. Yeah, and I think I think creators are coming more and more to that. You know, I wonder, especially people like Mark Russell, who's not like draw, who's not writing Superman on a monthly basis. He hasn't written yeah. before, so it's just like I wonder if some of that is, are these these people who grew up with these comics and these legendary characters are like, ooh, I don't know if I'll get another shot. I would right. hate to not be able to write for Green Lantern. And I'd hate right. I'd hate to not be able to write a couple of lines for Swamp Thing. And I'd hate to not, you know, do this. There's almost a sense of like, ooh, let me play yeah. with these toys because I might not be able to play with them again. Yeah. 
I think it's a really I think it's a really kind of I think Lex is a I think Lex Luthor is a great character in this. I think he's like wonderfully smarmy. Well, and, he's, but he's, also, the, he's the Christopher Reeves, like even has right. the same henchman. And he like, yes, but he also knows like who he he also knows like what he like how bad he is. Like he like it's it's this sort of over the top Machiavellian sort of like like thing to it. I really did. I really did dig this one. I thought this one was fun. Um, I, I thought he was a really great character. I don't, I, I think, I think my one challenge and I, and I, and I'm, I gotta, we've got to switch gears. Cause I feel like we're kind of, we're dunking on it a little bit, but I'm not, I had a fun time reading it. I just wasn't sure exactly what Russell was trying to yeah. do. I think that's, that's the thing. I enjoyed the story. Um, I enjoyed the, the sort of characterization that Pa Kent and, and Clark Kent, I really liked his Luther. But I was like, okay, where's it, it? It starts with this idea of like, here's Superman in history, but it veers quickly away from that. And then things pile up really fast. And I thought that was a little bit much. I was like, oh man, one more book might have done it. Yeah. Right. Like, had he done one more section, maybe he would have been able to flesh out some of that stuff a little more. But we write for trades now, right? We write for condensed stories. And if you're not going to, if I'm not giving you Superman, you're not going to get more than. Well, it, to me, issues, it, it right? felt like he was pulling back a little bit on what he does well, which is hard satire. Yeah. Like Prez and Flintstones, where it's like, hey, like, oh, this is an indictment on this, or this is a close examination of this. And I right. think there were moments of that, but I think there was almost like this overarching rever- reverence that he had for what a Superman story should be, or like how Superman should be presented, that kept him from going full tilt with that satire. Yeah. Because it might not always make Superman the most flattering character or make humanity too much of a villain on there. But I will say um, that I did like, and this is something we don't get to see from what I've been reading in a lot of these Superman books is I like an author who attempts Superman first person narration in the narration bubbles. You don't see yeah. that a lot. Like the books we've read, it seems like we're getting people talking about Superman. Yeah. And yeah. here you get Superman's voice. Because that's one of the things coming in the Superman summer that I was really trying to figure out is like, what is Superman's voice? Batman right. has a voice. Batman has a voice and authors pick up on it pretty easily. And some people write Batman's voice better than others. But there is that sense to it. It's like that Watchmen, right. uh, you know, Miller kind of, you know, like the, the, the streets of Gotham. Where I will run well, it's, I mean, it's like if you think about it, your Batman voice is two books. It's two books. It's Batman year one and dark Knight returns like yeah. that is that is batman's voice now is that really his his voice when you look at like the the years and years of batman and, history yes yeah, but like the voice that's in my head for batman is always that sort of year one you know dark Knight returns but there is poetic. no superman version of that at least i don't have one no neither do i no and so that's one of the things i was kind of looking for this summer and there were some moments in his narration like when he talks about his dad and reflecting on it and reflecting on yeah. society that I was like, okay, I, 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 I dig this Superman voice. Like this feels interesting. It feels like Superman is conflicted, especially when he talks about Lois and he talks yeah. about how like he's blowing it. He's like, I, you know, like, I, I don't, I don't know what the deal is. Like, I feel like 
I get her when I'm Clark. Yeah. But then she gets me when I'm Superman and it's like, uh, it's tough. I like that. Like you get to see him be vulnerable and confused. Uh, yeah. and I think that's, that's pretty cool. I also think, I, I think we talk about like, you know, that Superman's last act is to save humanity again. Right. But in a different way. Right. So we get this act of like, you have one Superman that, the Superman with the black emblem on his chest has lost his world to Brainiac, right? He couldn't save his world from Brainiac. This Superman does, but the world still ends anyways. So he sacrifices, you know, he knows it's going to be, he has one way to save someone else. And so he gives humanity over to another Superman. Superman. And, and I think that that's an interesting concept that Superman won't, give up he's always going to try to save it and when that superman gets the new you know he gets everything in the that fortress of solitude crystal to rebuild the world he does he gets his world back it's an interesting it's an interesting concept right this idea of like the the superman outlasts everything and and superman's last thing is oh i want to save humanity if i can and I know just the person to help protect it and myself the, the, the in super, a different universe. Yeah. And the Superman who's <laughs> just hanging there on a dead earth by himself is that sense of that symbol of hope. Like right. he, he's alive. He's staying there because even though it's destroyed, there's the slightest yeah. bit of hope and it pays what off if, for right? him. Yeah. It's that, and, that and, idea of like the movies kind of really invigorate that whole, what does the S stand for? It stands for hope. Yeah. Since that moment, yeah. it feels like hope becomes what Superman in general has become a symbol for. Yeah, I, th- I think so. So let's talk art. Let's talk Mike Allred's art, it, it, which is this wacky 60s, 70s, just pop art. I mean, it really takes from those those early 60s and 70s artists that, that Lichtenstein and those guys like stole from and yeah. made theirs. And and he's, I mean, he did Madman, Madman, Mad, yeah, Madman. Mike Allred did did that book back in the day. He did Static X, I think, is the X Men book he did, um, or X. I don't yeah, know, it feels very Ma- yeah, Madman. I see that. Yeah, yeah. So it is, it is just a blast. Even if, even if it's some of it's kind of weird looking to see him do this sort of like Silver Agey design work and like ooh, what what's his flash look like what's his green lantern look like what's his green arrow look like and to go like oh man they they just look slick versions of what those characters look like right he's not updating or or doing his spin on these characters right he's just doing a real slick modern but vintage draw of each of these characters so when you look at the flash that is the flash suit you look at wonder woman that is sort of that one that classic wonder woman costume um black canary green arrow that is them right right well there's no it becomes like this style was also alder's style was kind of also adapted to animation in some ways by like the guys who do archer and stuff like that right yeah yeah um, I thought the only thing, and I feel that this is very much what we do. The Batman costume is the only thing he kind of played around with. Uh-huh. And I really did dig his sort of the cowl where it's not like it's, it's got the neck comes up over it a little bit. It's almost like the Cape has a collar, um, but it doesn't. 
he's got the like short trunks on his Superman and on his Batman. Um, I thought that was the one where he kind of, although he doesn't, it's not drastically different. That's the one he played around with, with a bit, with, with a little bit. Was and that, it changes each that decade. Batman Batman, one. Yeah. I think that's the cool thing too, is like Batman, of course, is the one whose costume changes, right? Cause he's like, he's, he updates it and it's different. And what else is Batman? If not, you know, when you think of like Batman comic books as a kid reading through it, like the costume was something that always changed Superman a little bit, not much. Right. I like his but Brainiac Batman, a lot. I, Brainiac was really good. I think uh, Brainiac was a great one. Um, he, when he has to, he does such like the the facial features on Brainiac to kind of make him look gross. Uh, sometimes his characters look doll like. You can't. There's no lines or features. And then when he leans in, he leans in hard on like how can I make these people look this like yeah. look gross or old yeah aldridge is an artist like i get it and i respect it it's not my flavor you know Uh so there's even though you're watching this you're like it it, you know i don't read this being like oh this this art is taking away from anything in the story but i'm like though this is this is a guy who's been drawing comics for 40 years uh and (laughs) It's a proven style. It works with stories. It's not my particular flavor, but I think it works with this. And it does give the book a little bit more prestige in the fact that it's yeah. two very... Aldrich, who you wouldn't expect to be drawing on a book like this, and Mark Russell, who you wouldn't expect to be writing a character like this. Yeah, I think... I think, together. I think like, you've got to try this. It, you've got to try this flavor. It's like... Wait, what did you do with Reese's pieces now? What did you? <laughs> yeah, I think Allred does this thing where he gives it that sort of 60s sensibility, right? So if we're starting this book in, you know, in, in all reality, we're talking about this the time period in right. the 60s and 70s. Uh, he's He gives it that flavor right off the bat, right? It feels throwbacky, but at the same time, it feels modern because Allred's style is very much that it's like I said, it's, it's a slick version of 60s comic books, right? Yeah. So I think he's kind of the, the perfect artist for it, whether or not, you know, the, the sort of his weird faces that always look kind of like dolls, right? I don't know how else to explain it. Like they just. Yeah, I get that. Like, I'm actually looking at that. I was trying to think of the doll thing. It does. Yeah. Like the cutout ones, like the paper dolls. Yeah. 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 But I, it's good. But they always, I mean, everybody's very pretty right like um like pariah or at least they always have like very handsome jaws everybody does like like aquaman i mean i guess aquaman should maybe look like a beach model like a like a like a kelvin klein model but there's a uh, there's one of the pages where aquaman is there and his his hair is tousled back perfectly and like they're in the they're in the hall of justice and it it's like everybody just looks so pretty yeah (laughs) uh but I think it does do that thing that you want if this is supposed to speak to a certain time period and it's supposed to take place in this time. Um, he does a really good job of like making that happen, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty sparse backgrounds for the most part. Uh, colors pop. I mean, we're using like yeah. Roy G. Biv here. Uh, yeah. Throughout the whole book. <laughs> uh, Laura does. I think uh, his wife does a really, like, you know, Laura uh, already does a really great job of like, giving it that that color and she does this really good job of like she is able to do shadow 
but it's not in the way it, it's like this weird mix, right? So it's not the sort of very thick shadow when we would color back in the day and you would add like, Oh, I want this blue. I want to show shade on this blue. So it's going to be a very hard line where you can see where the shade is. Yeah. And it's not the gradient of computer colored, you know, early two thousands comic books. Right. When you think of like the coloring on ultimate books, it's this, you know, she like goes like, oh, no, this is the darker color here. And it's you know, one it's shade very, darker. Yeah, it's yeah. one shade darker. And it's a line that indicates shadow as opposed to like, I'm going to do a hard hmm. like that's a good observation. Whole, yeah. The whole part of the left thigh is going to be dark. Right. She doesn't do that. She does a lot of like gentle line work to oh, indicate yeah. shadow and to indicate like facial expression. So she adds lines to people's faces that aren't there so if you look at superman and a lot of these um you know he's very pouty very pouty lip but she goes in and she kind of accentuates that jawline or the under eye lines with her colors right um you know who superman looks like in this and i don't know if it's purpose or not he's got a very early marlon brando yeah kind of like a marlon brando sort of chin like he's working the docks in Right, like yeah, uh, you know, I think the doll thing comes from. I think it's the eyes. It's the it's the eyelashes. Yeah. Like he sometimes Superman has these really thick bottom eye eyelashes. You know that that look yeah. like he's like uh, Billy Joe in Green Day. <laughs> yes, yes, I I can see that. But I think you know, I think it works really well. I dug it. I like sort of seeing the the justice league and see all of those things from, you know, like super friends, right? right? Like that's what you, you get super friends, but you get them modern and you get them in this, in this world. And, and instead of like, I thought it was a good mashup of all those classic things, the comic books you, you, you I mean, I wasn't alive to read comic books in the seventies, but comic books I found at comic stores always, always ended up being some sort of book from like, or, or either the eighties or like a, some seventies comic book. you got your hand on, right? Like that's just what happened or the syndication of TV that you and I grew up on. Maybe, you know, like watching super friends, I watched super friends, but I wasn't born when super friends was on, uh, Yeah, but it was on syndication forever. Like Batman 66. I wasn't born when that was on, but hell if I didn't watch it because of syndication, right? Like uh, I watched those things. So my earliest childhood memories of superheroes are, these very 60s, 70s superheroes. Although I wasn't alive during then. Well, yeah, even so thinking a, like coloring books. Those, these are the versions right. that we would get in coloring books. Yeah. You know? So that's the thing for me where I go like, okay, I really enjoyed sort of the, the visual aesthetic of it because it made me feel like I was reading something the lines, from the space age. The lines looked very, like, looked, felt very nostalgic and right. familiar yes yeah and i think that coloring book thing is spot on because i think like the inking on all of these feels like if you took the color off of any one of these pages and just made it you black could and white, do a coloring book yeah you could you could do a coloring book of this and it would be a blast right it's actually not would... a bad idea josh for this book. <laughs> i think it would be pretty fun to do a coloring book of this um I, there are some pages in here where i'm like oh that would be a fun one to have right that would be a blast to have, you know, that blown up sort of like 
on my wall, the black and white color of it. Uh, but I also think it would be fun if to turn it into a coloring book and just like he, go to town with some a, Crayolas. He does a lot of these like on these pages where the panels aren't solid squares or like pentagons or like a little bit. Like they're canted yeah, a little yeah, bit, yeah, right? That's yeah, that's the word, yeah. Yeah. It, and I think that there's an interesting an interesting kind of setup. It feels like a very old school comic. It reads a little more modern because I think Mark Russell writes more modern, right? And everything, anything that's not written in the 60s feels modern when you go back and read one of those 60s books, right? Those 60s and 70s comics, like the, the, the you know, it all feels very sort of stilted or very melodramatic in a really weird way like there was, this a, is house, mellow, there was a house writing style in the 60s like, for comics this is what melodrama yeah. is bleh, right yeah. and it would be very matter of fact like sigh right um but i really dug it i enjoyed it i think i got lost in what it was supposed to be but i had a good time with it i had a good time with it yeah i think it was good exploration not my favorite uh, of our super summer book uh but i think I love the staff. I like putting, taking creators who you wouldn't think would necessarily even work together well or for this property and letting them take yeah. a stab at it. This is a book you would you read because you're like, ooh, how is that going to work? Right, or how is Russell going to do this? Right, yeah. How is Mark Russell going to do this? What does it look like? You know, How is Allred going to draw all of these things? What's he going to do yeah, with no one, his Yeah, no one needs this book to prove themselves or break out. No. They're already no. you know, top-class writer and, and artist. So yeah. it's just seeing how do they pair together. And at some moments, I feel like they do pair together really well. There are some things that when they, they come together, like, ooh, that panel and that dialogue and that design, yeah. that really works together. And there are some that fall a little bit flat. Uh, but I, you know, that's kind of where I think you and I are at for some books is I don't care what the, who the character is or what the right. premise is. What's the team? Who's I want to see who's, I want to see what they're doing with it. And I think that's the one thing is as we're going through Superman summer, um, I, I'm enjoying the, the, the possibility of like, it feels like, um, DC is maybe letting people play with Superman more a little bit more. Right? Yeah. So I am currently listening to the unauthorized by, Oh, I'm going to save this for our, for our next one, but yeah. for, for yeah, our yeah. little, in between, I'm listening to a, the unauthorized biography of Superman. Okay. And so I want to talk about that a little bit on our, on our variant episode. So folks, well, we're going to talk. I, yeah. About, we have one more episode of super yeah, summer. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, but, Travis, I think that this is a fun book that you could like, it's interesting enough where if you have someone who's like, I want to, I want a little more Superman. I think this is a good one to do. I think it's hard to get into Superman proper because it's, it's this, if you want to talk about a character who's so serialized and so long, right. And, and doesn't get the constant reset that Batman gets. Superman is a hard character to jump into like that but i think this gives you a good sort of like story a bookend right where here's your here's your superman story that i think if you're looking for a superman story this is it this this works right you know what i mean so i think if this is you you're like i don't know about superman i think this is an interesting sort of like peek into what superman can be i if that makes sense i think there's more to this book than i than I was able to pull out. I don't know if 
just reading this book once was enough for me to pull out. I think this, I think that this book potentially has layers that I did not see in this first uh, read through that maybe someone who has a little bit more experience with Superman or thinking about Superman might be able to be like, Oh, I see what they're doing here in in a way, but uh, otherwise, uh, uh, a pretty uh, uh, engaging story. Yeah, I think for me, like I, it is. So I have we all. I mean, I've got that collection of Batman books, right? Like, oh, I'm gonna go read a Batman. I have that collection of trades that I can go read a Batman, right? Like, I, I'll pull your one off the shelf every once in a while and read it, right? I feel like now after doing this, I have that. Oh, I want to go read a Superman book. I just yeah. want. I need like a, a little Superman yeah. in my life. I'm getting that now. I'm like, oh, that's a good one to go. Just go back and take a look at. Or like one of those reads where you're like, oh, I'm going to read this whole thing. And you you pick it up and you just read like one volume of it. And you're like, yeah, with the intention of reading the rest. But it was just enough. It was just, it gave you just that enough hit. Yeah, I think, I think that, I think that really kind of nails, nails us. All right. So folks, we have one last story during Superman summer, like one last episode of superman summer as we kind of wrap up our thoughts on superman talk about the other superman media we've gotten into and that'll be the next uh, episode that you listen to after this but remember that you can find the show over at comicexposure.com. share it like it follow it you can find it on your favorite podcast app all of those good things rate it review it whatever it is thanks for hanging out with us for superman summer we've got one last episode on it to wrap up our thoughts uh to kind of see like what did we get out of superman summer how has this been different than other summer kind of reads we've done uh and i think it's gonna be i think it's gonna be an interesting conversation so join us for that um check out superman space age again uh written by mark russell with art by mike allred and colors by laura allred go go give it a look if you can find it um hardcover do that i think it's a really it's a good looking book to have on a shelf because i think it's just i mean look at the cover of that thing man right it's just Mm. it's just a fun it's a fun little cover to have on it um so go check it out and then we'll see you next trade.